You are listening to LEC Online Church, a ministry of Lake Erie Church in Madison, Ohio. We are a multicultural, multi-generational Pentecostal church. For more information, please visit our website at lakeeriechurch.com. Now, we hope you enjoy today's message. We are almost to the end of the Corinthian series that we started. We've been doing it all summer. And uh, we have been learning a lot. We said at the very beginning that we believe this is a letter not only to the church at Corinth, uh, but a letter to Lake Erie Church and to all churches. Because there's something here that God is trying to say to us about how we should live in the world that does not know Jesus. And on that note, I am so thankful today to have a new friend. Pastor Kelly Irish and his wife are visiting with us today. They are the former pastors. And I say former only because they've just announced their official retirement. Uh, but they are from St. Anne's Church here in our community. And uh, you may, this is a connector to Lake Erie now, is that they rented what we now call our youth room for their church when they were transitioning to their present location. And I told Dustin when I was introducing Kelly to him, I said, this is the guy that you should thank for all the amenities that you have in your youth room because he's the one that paid for them. But Kelly, would you and your wife just stand? Can we welcome this wonderful couple with us today? We're so glad that you're with us. Thank you. Kelly is one of the leaders of the gospel saturation in Lake County. Uh, you have heard me talk about this a few months ago. We had Pastor Jeff Silver here, and uh, Kelly is one of the three men who kind of lead that, uh, that ministry. We'll be meeting this Thursday. The goal is to bring the gospel to every lost person in Lake County. Can you agree with me that every person deserves to know that Jesus died for them? Amen. And that every person should have the opportunity to give their life to Jesus Christ. And so, Kelly, we are so glad that you and your wife are with us. I'm sorry I don't remember your wife's name. I know that'll be a shock to my people that I can't remember your name. But uh, we are so thankful that you guys are with us today. And I uh, hope that you enjoyed your experience here. When I started uh, preparing back in January for this summer series, um, you know, that general ideas, general thoughts, putting things together, moving forward. And as we have gotten closer to today and this message, the more I have thought about who is sitting in this room, who's watching online, who's listening to the podcast this next week or in the days to come. And so I want to begin this morning with a little different kind of thought because in the room... From my experience are people who have vast and broad experience in the Pentecostal experience. Maybe you grew up in this church or you grew up in a Pentecostal environment. And so when I start teaching and preaching today, you're going to understand most everything that I say. There's another element of people that are sitting here today who have come to our church who do not come out of that same heritage and that same background. And they are worshiping here with us, but they don't have that same 
knowledge experience of the Pentecostal experience and spiritual gifts that maybe somebody else does. And so you're going to understand a good bit of what I'm saying, but maybe not everything. And then there are people that have just given their heart to the Lord. I told you a moment ago, 60 people have come to Christ this year. And for some of you sitting here, you know, you're still trying to figure out where Corinthians is in your Bible. Uh, you're still trying to figure out the dynamics and, you know, why is that lady waving that flag and, and, and what's going on with these people in the front. And there's just a whole lot of new things that go on and you're probably going to have some difficulty understanding a lot of things. So I want us to do two things as we get started this morning and I say these in such a sincere humility because I want to be obedient to what the Lord has put in my heart but I also want to be sensitive to the setting and I want you to do two things with me. First of all, I want us to pray together corporately that the Lord will give a spirit of revelation to us in this room and that regardless of your background, regardless of your experience, regardless of where you are, that the Holy Spirit will help you to grab a hold of what He wants you to hear. This is going to be one of those messages you may want to go back and listen to again and again to be able to walk it out. There's so much here. And I, I, could, I could preach for two hours, but I'm having lunch today with Craig Williamson and he won't wait that long. So I, uh, I know that we'll have to move on. Here's the second thing I'm going to do for you today. I've never done this before. You notice up there in the top left right hand corner of that screen is a number 440-557-2822 if at any point in this message today you hear something you don't understand anything that confuses you anything that you need clarification on this is the one time I'm going to offer this opportunity keep your cell phone out and text that question to me in real time I've got somebody sitting in the audience this morning who's monitoring that number and they're collecting those questions and if there is time at the end of this message I'm going to do my best to answer every one of those questions if, I, if there's not time or if the environment is not right for questions to be answered I promise you I'll get back to you in the next 24 hours I want to answer your questions I want to help you to grab a hold of this incredible teaching and what God wants you to know today. So I want us to pray together and as we pray, I want us to believe the Lord that He will help us by the Holy Spirit. I mean, I, I've been doing this for decades. I've been preaching for decades and I'm still amazed at this is that two people can be sitting side by side in the same service and with, without any knowledge of what's going on in their life. The message is preached, and if God's will is done in that service, both people will go, that was exactly what I needed, even though they came from two different environments together. Don't even know what's going on. How does that happen? It doesn't happen because I'm smart or slick. It happens because the Holy Spirit knows how to disseminate the Scripture to you. He knows how to meet you at the point of your need. He knows how to help you understand the things that are being taught. And maybe everything here won't be for you, but there'll be something here that God wants you to understand. He 
he wants you to grab a hold of. So would you just bow your heads with me and let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you for what you're about to do in this room today. I thank you for every person who has come. I thank you, Lord, for every individual that is watching online. I thank you for every person who listens to a podcast. And I just pray, God, that your will is accomplished, your will is done in this house today. Let your word speak powerfully into us and teach us everything that we're supposed to know. And Father, we give you the glory and the praise for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, good amen over here, kind of weak on this side over here, by the way. Kelly, help me over there. Cheerlead for me over there. I need some amens. Hey, um, we gave you outlines as you came in. And if you don't have one, if you'll hold up your hand, the ushers will come running to you with an outline. I see some right here, Miss Julie, already with their hands up. Over here on this side, there's a number of people with their hands up over here. If our ushers could help me get these uh, outlines. We do this so that uh, you have something that you can follow with, take home with you. Uh, you have an opportunity maybe to write down uh, things that the Lord may be saying to you that... Um, uh, will be helpful. Let's get started. Let's begin this morning with this very powerful statement. You and I are blessed to have, we have some people on this side, Miss Julie, that don't have outlines yet. You and I are blessed to have a heavenly father who loves giving gifts to his children. How do I know this? Well, Matthew chapter 7, verse 11 says, If you're sinful, you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those that ask Him? Simply put, the Father wants you to have the gifts that you need. In case you're wondering, Christmas is 134 days away. I love Christmas. I love giving gifts. I love receiving gifts. I especially love watching children open gifts. And as I think about that, I think about that's the way God is with gifts. The Heavenly Father loves giving gifts to His children. If somehow you could get your mind wrapped around how much God wants you to have every gift that is available to you. And he says that. Your heavenly father wants you to have these gifts. Now we don't actually know the exact question that Paul was asked in the letter that was sent to him. Or the words that came from the people who reported to Paul what was going on at Corinth. Of course that's been the foundation of the whole letter. We don't know exactly what the question was that prompted him in chapter 12 to start talking about spiritual gifts. But he begins, as you heard when Pastor Dustin read, so concerning the question that you had about spiritual gifts. So they must have had a question about spiritual gifts, and Paul wanted to address that. But it probably has something to do with people of, of questionable character at the church who were saying that Jesus is accursed and claiming that God was giving them the ability to do that. Whether that was all that it was, that certainly opened up an incredible door for Paul to start talking about what it is 
that spiritual gifts are and how they operate in the church. Now, before we get into the, the larger question, let's just deal with that for a moment. That Paul said, nobody who says Jesus is accursed is doing so by the Spirit of God. It's not possible for a person to be directed by the Holy Spirit to curse Jesus. And that's what they were doing. These false prophets, these teachers, or whoever they were at the church at Corinth, were saying, Jesus be a curse. And that, that word is used 20 times in the New Testament. It's the word anathema. And it's, it's, a, it's a very violent word. Paul uses it a couple of times, several times. One of the times he says, I wish that I were accursed in order that my brethren would be, be saved. Another place he said, if anyone, including angels, if they preach any other gospel, other than the gospel that we have preached to you, let them be accursed. It's a strong word. And Paul's saying, listen, don't get confused here. If there's somebody in your church that's saying Jesus is accursed, that is not coming from God. That is not the Spirit of God that is going on. He says in verse 3, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, John, later on, would write in 1 John chapter 4, he said, By this you know the Spirit of God. This is how you will know, he said. The Spirit of God. You can discern this. This is how you know if God is at work. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Any spirit that says Jesus is God's Son came in the flesh, that's a spirit that comes from God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And then he goes on to say something very important. This is the spirit of Antichrist of which you have heard that it's coming. Now he's not talking about a person. He's talking about a spirit of Antichrist that defames the name of Jesus. That's one of the ways we'll probably... You'll probably be able to recognize the Antichrist is because he will be defaming the name of Jesus. And he says, you've heard this is coming and now is already in the world. Even in the time of John's writing, he's saying, there is a spirit of Antichrist that is cursing and defaming the name of Jesus. So what does this mean to us? Well, when Paul uses that phrase, in verse 2, by the Spirit, he's talking about in the power and the influence of the Spirit. And that's going to be important for you to understand. Because these prophets are cursing Jesus and claiming that it is God's Spirit that is motivating them to do that. Well, there's a strong Greek word for that, and it's called hogwash. Paul said, that's not true. It's not possible that that would be taking place. So Corinth is a church like Lake Erie. It's a church growing and, and, and coming from all different walks of life and different people. And it would be very understandable that this church would be trying to get its act together, trying to figure out the dynamics of their worship and the dynamics of spiritual environments. And so Paul takes 
three chapters, chapter 12, 13, and 14, to teach them about the way that spiritual gifts work and operate in the church. And we don't have time again to get to all of this, but let's get, these, let's get to it with these three. Here's the first one. Though there are many spiritual gifts, there is only one source. Many spiritual gifts, only one source. Verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts, he says. But the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God that does the work in us. So there are many, many gifts but they all come from the same source, which is the Holy Spirit. Spiritual gifts are given in the church to help believers minister in the power of the Holy Spirit and for the glory of God. Spiritual gifts are not given for personal glory. And this was, this was one of the problems at Corinth. They were boasting about their gifts. Nah, 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 I got this gift. And Paul said, all the gifts are the same. They're different, and they operate differently, but they all have the same origination, which is the Holy Spirit. Spiritual gifts don't make you better than other people, but spiritual gifts in the church make all of us better. Spiritual gifts don't make you superior to anybody. If there's a spiritual gift that operates in you, it doesn't mean that you're better than me. It means that your spiritual gifts helps all of us to be better. And this contrast is important. Notice what he says. Go back, go back and look again at verse 4. He said, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. And what, it, what strikes me when I look at this is this idea of diversity and unity. Diversity and unity. Because what Paul is saying is there are many different kinds of gifts, but they all work to bring us together. The gifts never operate to divide us. They don't separate us. They bring us together because they operate to make all of us better in the church. The unity that comes out of this diversity of gifts, again, comes from the Holy Spirit who is energizing the gifts in the church. Notice on the screen and in your paper, Ephesians chapter 4. I love this. Notice what he says. For there is one body, say one. There is one spirit, say one. Just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, in all, and living through all. What do you think the main word in that verse is? One. So there's diversity in the gifts. You have your own number. Everybody's got a number of how many gifts there are. It doesn't matter how many they are. They all function to make us one. They all function to make us better, to make us a better church. 
So why is it important? Why is this important to us? Well, because in reality, as I think about it, it's countercultural. That'd be a good topic for a sermon, Dustin. Countercultural. We could, we could do a series on messages called countercultural. Oh, we did that already, I think, didn't we? Think about it this way. In the world, diversity tends to pull us apart. It pulls against unity. And the way that it does is that diversity forces you to decide one of two things. Either you're going to remain united and squash the differences that you have. Or you're going to express your differences and be fragmented into a thousand pieces. That's the only choice that you have in the world. We talk about celebrating diversity. You have two choices. You can just squash your differences or you can express them and be busted up into a thousand pieces. And that's just exactly what has happened in the world today. We, we can't celebrate diversity because we're so busy arguing our point of view. And we get fragmented in that regard. But in the church, in the church, it's different. Diversity serves the unity. And unity celebrates the diversity. Because the people of God are many, but we are one body. I'll say that again. The church is full of many different kinds of people, but we are one body. So when we are worshiping together, God doesn't care if you're rich or poor. He doesn't care if you're tall or short. He doesn't care if you're fat or thin, black or white or brown. It's one worship that's going to one God. That unity that we have together in the eyes of God. The one body of Christ to be able to worship and give glory to God. Notice verse 13. It's on the screen. Some of us are Jews. Some are Gentiles. Some are slaves. Some are free. We have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. Now we've talked about this throughout the summer that the church at Corinth struggled because you had people coming out of Gentile pagan life into a, into a fellowship with people who had strict Jewish upbringing. And they struggled about a lot of things. Because their diversity was dividing them instead of bringing them together. And as a result, they struggled. I think about our church here at Lake Erie. We say that we are a multi-generational. Six generations of people attend Lake Erie. Six. Six different generations. And sometimes different generations get on each other's nerves. Oh, you might as well say amen. Some of you that are more senior, those young kids, they get on your nerves. And, and, and some of the younger, you know, you, you don't understand the seniors. Yeah, but we're all under one roof, under one Lord, serving Christ. Six generations. We're a multi-generational, multicultural. One of these days, we're going to do a study and figure out how many different nationalities that we've got here. Because we've got a lot of different kinds of people. 
We've got Latinos and Caucasians and blacks and hillbillies and all kinds of different cultures in our church. And yet somehow God's design is that we all come together to become one. We come to our church today from different backgrounds. And yet all of those backgrounds, all of those experiences lead us to one God. We may worship in different styles. I know, I know that you know, there are different ways to worship in, in, in a congregation like this. You know, everybody, we, we like for people to feel the freedom as long as it's in order to be able to worship in whatever way you want. You don't have to worship like me or like anybody else. There's a freedom for you to be able to follow after the Lord. We, we pray in different postures. I walk when I pray. Other people kneel. But we're still all praying to one God. We're all serving one God. And that unity makes us a body. And God works in that environment. Here's the second question. The second statement is, spiritual gifts are generally for the encouragement and support of believers. I use the word generally because I don't want to pigeonhole myself. But generally, the the spiritual gifts are used in a church for the encouragement and support of believers. Look at verse 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, I'm supposed to help you. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. Now, I've thought about this a long time, knowing that I would be standing here at some point on this Sunday to preach this message. I've thought about this a long time, and I'm convinced now that I can say to you that in my heart, I believe every believer has a spiritual gift. Every believer has a spiritual gift. Now, some of you have never discovered your spiritual gift. But the fact that you've never discovered it doesn't mean God hasn't given you a spiritual gift. And then some of you have never looked for your spiritual gift. But just because you're not looking doesn't mean God hasn't given you a spiritual gift. There is a spiritual gift for every person. That's what Paul says. A spiritual gift, verse 7, a spiritual gift is given to each of us That means, Stella Lamas, you have a spiritual gift. Jason Atkins, you have a spiritual gift. Robin, you have a spiritual gift. Everybody has a spiritual gift. And the purpose of that spiritual gift is to help somebody. It's not to elevate you. It's not to make you something more. It is for you to help somebody. And when the gifts of the Spirit are in operation in a church... There's a lot of encouragement going on. There's a lot of helping going on. There's a lot of growing going on. To understand what I'm trying to say, think about a symphony. Think about a symphony. The many instruments in a symphony. 
you got the trumpets and the percussions and you've got the strings. You got, you got the horns and all the other instruments that are playing and it takes many instruments, many different instruments to create a symphony and many different players. And what it means is, is that no one person can play all the parts. No one person can play every instrument. And no one person or no one instrument can make all the music. You go to a symphony, you, you don't want to just hear the trumpet. You want to hear all the other instruments in harmony with the others. And what a fiasco it would be if you only had one player with all the instruments. Now, let me just talk to you out of my heart. Because this is what I feel and what I believe about our church. And, and I think you're going to be seen in the months to come as we make some of, the, some of the issues, some challenges and changes that we're trying to make to help this come to pass. It is not physically, emotionally possible for one couple, no matter how dynamic Shelley is, it's not possible for two people to cover a whole church. It's not possible. But what you can have is you can have people who are using their spiritual gifts and everybody gets covered. I got three amens right there. I guess I just... I guess there'll be a bunch of questions going to 440-557-2822. We used to have a hospital team here at the church. Years ago, when I first came, there was a hospital team. And so when somebody was in the hospital, they would call for the hospital team and they would go. And then they would go and make an assessment and then they would check back in and say, Hey, listen, I just left the hospital. Uh, Jason is fine. Uh, there's no need for pastor to come. Or they would say, hey, we just left the hospital. Uh, Jason's pretty sick. Pastor probably needs to come. And it was a way for us to be able to allow people to use their own gifts and to spread the influence and ministry that is there. Now, the one problem with that system that did not work is that I got the reputation of being the death angel. Because I would show up and they'd go, oh my God, how sick am I? I didn't realize I was that sick. Am I going to die? And I've had to go in and say, no, 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 no. I just like broken legs. I just like to see broken legs. That's the only reason I'm here. But it's this idea that we accept that there are many different parts in a church and nobody has all of the gifts and nobody has all of the instruments, but everybody has something. And everybody is doing something. And we have to see every person at Lake Erie as an essential part of the symphony that God is writing here. We also have to have an appreciation for how the Holy Spirit works. Because He's the great conductor, isn't He? He's giving out gifts. He's guiding people according to the purposes of God, to bring about the will of God so that the whole church is better. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit that's doing that. It's not a pastor. Listen, don't, don't underestimate the importance of leadership. I, I believe in leadership, but it's not about a pastor. 
It's about the Holy Spirit working in the hearts of willing people who are able to say, God, whatever you want me to do, use me in whatever way you can. And God says, thank you, I'll put you to work. When did we get afraid of that? When did we get afraid of saying to God, just put me to work somewhere? Because somewhere along the way, we got, we got scared of that and we quit volunteering. We quit stepping up. We quit saying that. And so therefore, it got harder and harder for us to be the church that God wants us to be. Here's something else. We say we're charting new people coming to our church, over 70 of them, counting the children. We'll be having a Meet the Pastors event here in a couple of weeks that we're inviting all of them to. So they can meet the leaders of our church and, and have a connection with them. You have to ask yourself this question. I do. Why is God sending these people? Why is God sending these new people to Lake Erie Church? It's for one of two reasons. One of those reasons could be that God wants them here so we can help them. They can be helped by the fellowship. And the environments that we have, the second reason, maybe more importantly, is they're here to help us. Because God sees a need in our church and He, you see, you have to pay attention to who's coming and going in your life. You've got people in your life that you've been friends with forever. But you've got other people that have come into your life and you go, wow, I, why am I friends with them now? I didn't even think about that. And now I'm friends with them. Or you have people that you once were friends with that you're not friends anymore. Why? Because they came into your life at a certain season because God was trying to help you with something and that's no longer needed. So when you look at the new people that God is sending, it could be that God is sending them so you could help them. It's also that maybe God is sending them so they can help you. And that's why fellowship is so important in the body of Christ. These gifts that God puts in the church are evidence of how God is at work in our church. And at work around us and through us. Here's the third and final one. It is the work of the Holy Spirit to determine which gifts one is given. That's in the very last line of what Pastor Dustin read. He said, beginning with verse 8, it says, To one person the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To the other the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else. The one Spirit gives the gift of healing. Notice the diversity here. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. Then he says, it is the one and only Spirit who distributes all of these gifts. The elders at Lake Erie do not distribute spiritual gifts. The staff at Lake Erie does not distribute spiritual gifts. You're wasting your time to come and ask me to give you a spiritual gift. I don't have that power. It is the Holy Spirit 
that has the power and decides who gets the gifts. And then he finishes with these words, He alone decides which gift each person should have. What are the implications of those two verses? Here they are. Number one, nobody should dismiss their gift. Nobody should dismiss their gift. And secondly, nobody should dismiss the gifts of other people. What happened at Corinth, what was creating the chaos is that they were always comparing themselves. Boasting about their gifts. You'll go on further in chapters 13 and 14 and hear Paul talking about, why are you boasting? Why are you comparing? Paul said in one of his passages, to compare ourselves among ourselves is not wise. Pastor Kelly, my friend, will understand exactly what I'm saying, but but pastors and ministers are the world's worst of this. We're always comparing ourselves to other churches. You know, the, the first question when you start talking to a pastor is to say, how many are you running? You know, and I love to be able to say, I don't know. Because I don't. I don't ever ask how many we have. I don't ever ask how many people were in the building because I don't want to know. I know that we have to know. I know people in the room that do that. We pay people to take care of all of that, but I don't want to know because it don't matter to me how many people are in the room. It's We're just not going to get caught up in that comparison. Nor are we going to dismiss other churches that may have less or more than we are. I've heard people say, well, you know, the reason all those people go to that church over there is because they don't preach holiness over there. They don't believe in the Bible over there. No, let's don't do that. Let's don't do that. Let's love God. Let's preach the gospel. Let's do the work of ministry. And let's pray for all the churches. We did that today in the prayer room with our prayer leaders there. We prayed over all the churches. Mark Shear over here at Here's Hope. We prayed for Mark and his church. We prayed for Michael Rice at New Day right up on, the, on, the, on 20 up there. We're praying for all the churches, Crossroads, all the churches that we know about. North Star, our brothers and sisters over there who used to be Cornerstone. Why? Because we're all trying to do the same thing. Bring people to Jesus. And different churches do it different ways and styles are different, but we still serve the same God. And it's important that we don't dismiss anybody's gifts. I've said this for years, and you know those of you that know my story. I not only serve as the pastor's church, but I'm also the director of the Center for Pastoral Excellence, and we train pastors in 29 countries of the world. And I say this all over the place, everywhere I go, that one of the pressures that pastors are under today, the reason so many pastors quit is because they're constantly under that microscope that they're... Their value is determined by the number of people that come to church and how much money they can raise. And if either one of those gets out of kilter, they say, well, what's wrong with the pastor? Well, it could be there's nothing wrong with the pastor. It could be like one of our neighboring churches over here back in 2008. I was talking to one of our pastors back in that day. I was in a different setting. I was talking to him and he's 17 families in his church lost their job in one month. Some of them were transferred to Alabama. Some of them were transferred to Virginia. He lost 17 families in one month. There's nothing wrong with the pastor. 
It was just a circumstance. And when we dismiss, we say, well, you know, a pastor of 50 is not as good as a pastor of 100. No, he's not. Don't try to compare your gift. You have a responsibility to do whatever it is that God called you to do. Just because you don't have this gift or that gift, don't discount that. Because God gave you that gift for a reason. He gave it to you to do the work of ministry. And when you stand before God, He's not going to say, let's talk about how you were different from somebody else. He's going to say, were you faithful to what I asked you to do with your life? There won't be any lines in heaven based on spiritual gifts. Let's finish. The point is that everybody at Lake Erie has something. And nobody has everything. And I want you to hear me say this. When we talk about spiritual gifts, we're not talking about talents and natural ability. Spiritual gifts are supernatural works of the Spirit. What I mean by that is this. LeBron James has a God-given natural ability to play basketball, but that's not a spiritual gift. Aaron Judge has a natural ability to hit home runs, but that's not a spiritual gift. You see, an atheist or an agnostic can be a great scientist, can be a great carpenter, can be a great athlete. They can excel because they have natural talent. The spiritual gifts I'm talking about are coming by the grace of God, and they are special capacities given to believers that supernaturally work in a spiritual environment. And that supernatural power comes from God according to verse 6. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. So let's finish. What do I want you, what do I want you to take away from this message? As you can see, I, I could just go on. I, I'm skipping over a lot of stuff, but let's stop. And I want to I talk about three things that I want you to take away from this message. And you, again... Feel free to send your questions. I'll be happy to answer them. Here's the first thing. You have a spiritual gift. I want you to go home knowing that. You have a spiritual gift. And I want you to pray that God will help you to discover it. A good prayer today would be, God, help me discover my spiritual gift. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give good gifts to those that ask Him? Ask Him. Here's the second thing. We talked about this a moment ago. Don't compare your gifts. Don't get your eyes on other people and think, you know, I can't do this because I don't have... No, don't do that. There are gifts in this church that are visible and they're public kind of things. But that doesn't mean they're the best gifts. It doesn't mean they're the only gifts. And they're not, does, certainly doesn't mean they're the most necessary gifts. I, I have a gift to speak. But that doesn't mean it's the most important gift. Some of you have the gift to pray. Some of you have talents and abilities that God uses. And He's gifted you to do that. Don't, don't get caught up in comparing those gifts to other people. Because your gift doesn't make you any more special than anybody else. And it doesn't make you any less than anybody else. 
Here's the third and final one. God is at work in your life every day that you let him to help other people. It's not just on Sunday. It's not just three or four days out of the week. It's every day. Every day that you let him. Every day that you open up your heart and you become sensitive to what God is doing around you. Every day, God is at work in you to help somebody. It should be your prayer. God, lead me today to somebody that needs you. Open up a conversation today with somebody that needs you. And let me tell them what the Lord has done for me. Let me help them in some way. A number of years ago, a young boy who was born in Central America came to the college where I graduated with my undergraduate degree. And uh, he was far away from home and only could communicate by telephone at that point. This was a number of years ago before the Internet. And a massive hurricane blew through Central America. It devastated the town where he lived. Flooded out homes and the pictures on the news showed just mass devastation. He was terrified. He couldn't reach anybody. He kept calling and calling. They would just tell him the, the lines were down. He couldn't, he couldn't get any information. He was terrified that his parents and his sisters and brothers were dead. He went to chapel one morning there at the campus and at the conclusion of at the conclusion of the message he went down to the front and he knelt in the altar and he began to ask God for something. I just need something. A boy from Alabama was in that service that day and he just was trying to be helpful. He just was walking along in the altar and Praying over different people as they were in the altar. And when he got to this young boy, young man, he just reached out and put his hand on his back. And he said, when I did, the Holy Spirit began to speak in tongues through me. It was very rare for me, unusual kind of thing. It was just very strange. His hand was on his back speaking in an unknown language after a few minutes of prayer the young boy stood up and began to wipe the tears out of his eyes and he grabbed a hold of this guy and he said thank you thank you thank you so much I, I just thank you and the boy said what, what are you thanking me for he said you told me that my mother and dad are okay he said no I didn't he said, you were speaking in my native language. And I heard that all is well, that I could be at peace. My family was safe. You see, that's an example of how the spiritual gift worked to help somebody. What if the boy walking the aisle is not open to what God's trying to do? God is always trying to work through you to help somebody. 
We hope you were blessed by today's message. Now we invite you to visit one of our services soon. For more information, please visit us at lakeeriechurch.com.